this is Jordan Beal. Welcome to the Rock of Grace podcast from our Kinsman campus. We are passionate about leading people to follow Jesus together, and we're so glad that you're opening the Word of God with us today. I pray God speaks to your heart. All right, I want to recap a little bit, though, from last week. And I want to put up the the last few slides, um, which is going to be our first slides today. So go ahead and throw up that first slide. That there is a realm beyond what we can see. In fact, why don't y'all say this with me? There is a realm beyond what we can see. How many were here last week? Right? And we talked about the times that we feel under attack, and we even, we even isolated five ways to know that we're under attack, uh, as opposed to simply living in the flesh or being selfish or the, the human nature, what, what Paul calls the, the carnal nature. Um, while that's a thing and that's a reality, sometimes there's literally an attack on our lives to stop something God wants, right? We talked about that, that a lot of times when the attack is there, it's an indicator God's about to, to do something beautiful in that area of your life. Amen? Now, I don't know if that, listen, when I wrote that down, I was like really excited. Uh, so hopefully if you're under attack, yeah, I know you're not excited about being under attack, but if you're under attack and you feel a, a heaviness in a certain area of your life lately, you need to understand something. God has something beautiful for you on the other side of that. Amen. That's a good spot for an amen. All right, let's go to that next slide. People are not the enemy. They're the mission. So anytime you're made a person your enemy, you have forgotten what the Bible said. Now, let's just don't raise your hands just nod with me if you've ever accidentally done that. You just got ticked off at somebody, right? I know. So-and-so in accounting. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know who it is for you. But realize that people are never the enemy, that they're the mission, and that we get an opportunity to pray for them. And when we pray for them, we said we get God's heart for them. All right, next thing. All right, how do I know when I'm experiencing a spiritual attack? So we went through this quickly, and I want to just talk about it again. Because some of this will be insightful for you. I think some of you will go, oh, yeah, I've experienced that. Or I'm experiencing that now. A sudden extreme onslaught, right, of various troubles and losses and trials where you talked about Job. Attacks on our physical danger, illness, life-threatening loss. Number three, increased temptation and luring towards sin or wrong choices. Listen, I've, I've heard pastors say at conferences and sometimes in the candidness of a, a podcast that they'd gone through a series of seasons of, of their life and ministry when it, with the temptation was so heavy on them. I had a pastor at one time tell me that had a, a woman, a, a prostitute, pushed into his hotel room. You tell me Satan doesn't want to take people out, right? All right, number four, feelings of overwhelming despair, darkness, and fear. We talked about kings. We talked about 1 Kings 19. We talked about Elijah, that the enemy will come on your mind and make you feel like the only solution is to give up. Nod with me if you've ever been there or you know somebody who's been there. That's right. And number five, deep confusion, feelings of condemnation, okay, guilt, shame. It's the lie of you don't deserve to be in church. You don't deserve to be in the house of God or you don't belong. That's from the enemy. Everybody say the enemy. So today we're talking about angels and who they are and what 
they do. To quote a classic 1990s uh, movie, Angels in the Outfield, George Knox, played by Danny Glover, which is maybe one of the best roles ever played, he said, you've got an angel with you right now, just got here, and he's going to help, right? And so maybe you remember that movie, uh, if you're old enough to remember that movie. I do. And the entire premise of this movie is this foster kid who, uh, estranged dad, promises to reunite the family if the angels make it to the World Series. The problem is the angels are the worst team in baseball. I see some of you smiling. You remember that movie, right? So our main character, Roger, asks for divine help. He prays that the angels will turn things around. And soon after the prayer, real angels show up, uh, who goes by Al, and the angels go on a winning streak, turning their entire season around. All right? So great family movie, no agendas, no indoctrination, just a good movie. When Praise God when a movie doesn't have indoctrination these days. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the rabbit trail. We'll leave for another day. But as we talk about angels, it's important that you don't just take your view of angels from a movie. Right, but that you take it from the Word of God. So, what does the Word of God say? So, I'm going to give you a bunch of scriptures. So, some of them we're not going to have time to read them all. I want to put up some references and some ideas first. Angels announced right the birth of Jesus in Luke one, Zechariah and Luke, Luke also in Luke one, Matthew one. They announced it to Joseph to Elizabeth. They ministered to Jesus in the wilderness. After his 40 days, did you know that when Jesus was in the wilderness, angels ministered to him? They rolled the stone away from Jesus' grave. That's pretty awesome. Who thinks that means they're probably not a chubby baby? Just saying, right? I mean, if they're moving a giant stone. Okay. They opened prison doors for the apostles. How many of you guys would say that's a good church service? Right, you're in prison. Suddenly the angel just opens it up. They directed evangelists where to go, like Philip. They spoke to unbelievers like Cornelius about what they should do. They will come with Jesus, the Bible says, at his second coming. So what do we know about angels? Why do they exist? Let's sum it up like this. Number one, angels minister to God's people. Interesting, right? Angels minister to God's people. People. In fact, Scripture says sometimes we are entertaining angels and we don't even know. How many of you guys remember Newsboys? I just, I just had a flashback to be like 12 years old, right? Dun, dun. I won't sing it. All right. Most of Hebrews 1 is devoted to showing Jesus as greater than the angels, right? So we don't worship angels. Uh, we worship Jesus, and we'll talk about that more in a minute. But angels exist for the sake of Christians, for believers, ministering spirits for the work of God, serving it literally means servant, that word, ministering spirit that's used a bunch of times. It means servant. So how do they serve us? Not so much by giving us what we want or even intervening our struggles. Rather, they serve us by ensuring that we make it into eternity, that they guide us towards worship, that sometimes they encourage us when we need that courage. Additionally, the word salvation, although a reference to salvation provided through Christ on the cross, speaks to deliverance from our enemies. And I don't know if you heard about, well, even the, is, even the Israeli war, if you were to go on YouTube or just Google this, about the visions of angels that uh, the enemy had during the, um, how was it? The, I can't remember the day. The, I'm blanking on the name of the day war. Um, six, I was going to say seven, six-day war. There's a bunch of testimonies where people uh, literally saw angels um, I, I don't know about you, but I'd, I'd give up. I'd drop my machine gun, okay, if I saw 20-foot angel. Okay, 
Side note, the Bible is not clear that we each have an angel or an assigned angel. So when people hear that term guardian angel, right, it encourages them in cases to pray for and ask the Lord for help. But a, a more rounded approach is that Jesus loves us so much that he sends a host of angels to help us when we need it. Aren't you thankful for Jesus to do that, right? Psalm 91 tells us that he will command his angels, plural, concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. Sometimes it's powerful when we just all read scripture. Can we just all read this together? Let's all read together. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. I want to give you some other verses. Look at this, Hebrews 16, or Hebrews 1, 6. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let us, let God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, make his angel winds, his ministers, that word means servant, ministers a flame of fire. Who thinks you're going to see some amazing things when Jesus comes back with his ministering servants, right? And by the way, I hope you're ready for that. We're going to give you an opportunity. If, you, if we're here, you're here and earlier, we're reading about entering heaven, we're singing about entering heaven, and you're thinking, I don't know if I'm ready. Today, you can be ready. But of the Son... Everybody say the Son. Oh, I love talking about Jesus. We're going to talk about Jesus. Here we go. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of, of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning. Let me pause. Do you know that Scripture says he spoke, that Jesus spoke the earth into existence. Do you know Jesus creates through words? And by the way, you create through words. You create culture with your words. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. So look at this. You laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you are the same, and your years have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand? Right, So notice the, the, the juxtaposition here. What he's saying is God created angels, and they're amazing, but he's saying God created the Son of Man to be worshipped by the angels. Okay, Which of the angels has he said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? So who in here has inherited salvation because you chose Jesus? You chose to repent of your sin. The Bible is telling me and telling you he has sent angels to minister to you. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's awesome. Hey, go full youth pastor mode on him. Say, dude, that's awesome. This whole side was too cool. All of you are just like, nope, not doing it. All of you guys did it. I like you guys more. All right. Have a favorite. All right, so number two, angels execute God's will. Wow, angels execute God's will, and they're subject to King Jesus. First Peter 3, 22, Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven, is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers being subject to him. Okay? Psalm 103 calls the angels the mighty ones. These are not chubby babies playing harps. These are... Mighty ones. Everybody say mighty ones. Come on, say warriors. Right? Ministers. 
And so the Bible tells us in these last three verses we read that they also rank, that they have ranking, right? That there are, that there are literally like archangels, right? And what we would call maybe a general or lieutenant, and, you know, there's, there's rankings. So historians believe that artists in the Renaissance period began depicting angels as babies due to the evolution of the word cherub. But that depiction could not be further from the truth. Look at Ezekiel chapter 1. Ezekiel chapter 1. I'm just going to read the word of God to you. This is, so, this is so wild. This is so powerful. As I looked, behold, a stormy wind came out of the north and a great cloud with brightness all around it. If you want, you could close your eyes and just picture this. Okay, you don't have to, but if you want to, I just want you to let God anoint your imagination. Picture this. And fire flashing forth continually into the midst of the fire, as it were, gleaming metal. From the midst of it came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance, that they had human likeness. But each one had four faces. Each of them had four wings. Their legs were straight, and the soles of their feet were like the sole of a calf's foot, and they sparkled like burnished bronze. Under their wings, on the four sides, they had human hands, and the four had their faces and their wings, thus their wings touched one another. Each one of them went straight forward without turning as they went. As for the likeness of their faces, each had a human face. The four had the face of a lion on the right side, the four had the face of an ox on the left side, and the four had the face of an eagle. Such were their faces, and their wings were spread out above. Each creature had two wings, each which touched the wing of the other, while two covered their bodies. Pretty wild, right? Each went straight forward. Wherever the spirit would go, they went without turning. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches moving to and fro among the living creatures. And the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning, and the living creatures darted to and fro like the appearance of flashes of lightning. Okay, open your eyes. How many of you guys think you're going to see some amazing things when you enter eternity? And if today, I know today's sermon's different, but if it does this, you know, I just had an analogy enter my mind. I remember when I ran cross country, was anybody else just silly enough to run cross country? I don't know who signed me up for that. Hey, do you want to run three miles? Great. Um, I actually enjoyed it. But you know when I always got a, a bunch of energy? When I would round the corner and see the finish line. Have you guys ever watched a cross-country race, right, or the end of the race? They call it the kick, right? What happens when those runners see the finish line? A little more excited to cross that finish line, right? So if anything, if right now, today, you get a picture of where you're going, because, again, you're going somewhere. Turn to your neighbor say, you're going somewhere. There's an unseen realm, right? We open this series saying the real you is going somewhere. This is just your carcass, right? Right? So if I, if I get this arm cut off, it's still me, right? And I'm going somewhere. This gives us a picture, just a glimpse of the creatures and the angels that God has created to surround his throne and give him glory. And a side note, side note, we are closer to Christ's return than ever before. 
the UN literally just was talking on their website and in their meeting about peace and safety. And I don't know if you've read Revelation 11 and 12, and it talks about when everyone's saying peace and safety. There was a, a statue of a woman put on the wall with wings of an eagle, of an eagle, which is exactly right there in Revelation. If you missed the class that we did uh, last spring about the end times, you had a gift from Mexico given to the United Nations that's literally described to a T in the Bible, in the book of Daniel. Listen, Jesus is coming back soon. I hope you're ready. I hope you're ready. How many guys can't wait for him to come? Okay, Psalm 103. Look at this. Praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who carry out his plans. You see that? They carry out the plans of God, listening for each of his commands. Yes, praise the Lord, you armies of angels who serve him and do his will. So they're an offensive army. So just like Satan has a team of demons and there's principalities, we'll talk about that more next week. There are angels, angels who are active agents. Remember, there is a battle taking place in the unseen realm, and you are the prize. All right? We said this last week, but I want to say it again because it's a key point of this month I don't want you to miss. Okay? There is a battle taking place in the unseen realm. You are the prize. You are the prize. What did we say last week, right? That you are the image of God on the earth. Now, when Jesus saves you, uh, you become more like the representation of the image of God. But just being human makes you the image of God on the earth. So Satan doesn't like that. Okay? So Satan's the enemy of God. Satan wants to stop that, wants to distract you. But thank, aren't you so thankful that God sends angels? You know, Satan literally, we, we said this, John 10.10. John 10, we said this in our, in our uh, discipleship class on Wednesday. Satan's job, what's, what's he do? He's accused you of the brethren, but what, what does he actually do? Steal, kill, and destroy. Satan tried to steal my life. When I was 17, I, I got in a terrible car accident. Uh, we were going about 80. And if you know me and my dad, that's probably accurate. Um, <laughs> and... I had just counseled camp for two weeks, so I was really tired, and then I came up and got up early and played guitar that morning, and I was just really tired. I fell asleep at the wheel. Did you know I didn't break any bones, and my car was squashed? The, the EMT said it's a total miracle. Now, check this out. Our friend Gina Haas, remember Gina Haas, Jesse? Our friend Gina Haas gets a hold of Jesse or Emily to get my mom's number, calls my mom, didn't know I was in a car accident, didn't know I could have died, and said, I had a vision of your son being held by an angel. Angels are sent to protect, to serve. Isn't that amazing? Didn't know I was in a car accident. And so if God gives you a word of knowledge like that, right, while you're praying, that's interceding or praying, call that person, text them. You never know how God's going to use that to encourage that mom. How many of you think my mom was probably encouraged in that moment, right? God is so good. You should see the pictures. of my, I should have put the pictures up there. I did not think of that. But they, my car was squashed, y'all. It was like a pancake. 
Actually, can I tell you a funny part of that story? <laughs> Just for a second. You guys okay with this? Just, okay. I was in shock, so I didn't know I was in pain. And I think Will knows this story. So I had just flipped this car, and they said like probably 12 or 13 times. And there was people in front and back who had saw it, and they all guessed between 12 and 13 times. Well, I was in shock. So my dad was in front of me. He saw me flipping through the air in his rearview mirror. So imagine it's your child, right? Well, he gets out, and I'm upside down, okay? I'm a seatbelt. I take my seatbelt off. I land on my head because I didn't know I was upside down. And I hear my dad say, Jordan, are you alive? I mean, that's like an intense moment. But again, I was in shock, y'all. So forgive me for what <laughs> you guys all forgive me. I said, I am alive. Real dramatic, sarcastic. Because he was like, are you alive? And I said, I am alive. So dumb. So dumb. But literally, I had blood and stuff, but I, I was in shock. I had no pain. And then after I said it, I was like, ow, I'm suddenly like really hurting. So apparently humor is still there when you're in shock. All right. Anyway, the point is an angel saved me. So that's pretty awesome. I have a couple more stories I'm going to tell you in a minute. So when you guys hear this, that Jesus is the supreme ruler of all things, right? That objects can do his will, that the wind and the seas obey him. That animals can do his will. A donkey prophesied, y'all. Right? Jonah's whale, right? The whale, literally, come on, anything can obey the will of God. Humans can do his will. Angels do his will. So, Pastor Jordan, why then the heartache? Why cancer? Why the fighting between people? Well, again, Satan is the prince of the air. So he's here and now. He's able to, to tempt, to deceive, to divide, right? And we're going to talk more about that next week. But Jesus is still the supreme ruler over all things. And there's a day when Satan, the prince of the air, is bound and thrown into the lake of fire. That's a great spot for an amen. amen. So again, remember Jesus is king. Remember there's a battle taking place in the unseen realm, and you are the prize. When John Piper was talking about angels in the unseen realm in his book, Desiring God, it's a great book, says this, when God decided to create, he thought it was wise to create hierarchies of beings from the least significant inanimate stone to the worm, to the whale, to the human, and then even to multiple ranks of angels because some are called archangels in 1 Thessalonians 4. So God created not just the angels, but ranks of angels. And they, when they become demonic by rebellion, these are the ranks of principalities and powers in the hordes of the devil. Okay? So what's the third reason angels exist? They magnify the glory and the prestige of God. In fact, we're going to sing, we're going to worship, we're going to end the service in worship today. Angels magnify the glory and the prestige of God. What do we know about angels? That they exist to do the will of God. That we can't um, even worship day and night, right, on a Sunday without getting bored, yet we learn about these angelic beings, we think about them. And they're never tired of worshiping God. Right? Never, never, never tired. And so there are times when you have a bad week and you have a bad month and it might be song three and your arms are heavy. Right? Has anybody else ever had that? Okay. You know, angels, uh -uh. angels have a full revelation. Ever say full revelation. So if you could see, if you could have a full revelation of how amazing God is, how would that change your worship? How would that change your life? 
we have a couple stories in our family that we believe angels were actively a part. Was it Eva or Eden? Wasn't it Eva that fell off that slide? Eden? Eden? A um, number of years ago, she was real little. We have so many kids, I don't know which one I was, so... Um, we were leaving life group and we had taken our life group to Mosquito Lake for the day and we're walking away and we got some garbage in our hands. And so I didn't see uh, Eden and the girls went, went this way and went up that re- a really tall slide. I mean, really like maybe 18, 20 feet is like really unsafe tall. And we looked back just in time to see her fall. And she was totally fine. I mean, it's like the Marshall's miracle. How many of you guys heard about the, you know, totally fine. In my opinion, an angel softened the blow. In my opinion. Amen? Angels call attention to the worth of every believer. Look at this in Matthew 18. Beware that you don't look down on any of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels are always in the presence of my heavenly Father. And the term little ones refers, can refer to young believers. Someone who, actually, let me say this, someone who is not yet a believer. Me and, y'all, me and Danielle were discussing this uh, yesterday or, or two nights ago that I met, this, I met this, this person named Sam, and she was really struggling in life. And we were talking about how the church could help her, what we could do, and we were trying to figure this out. And, you know, one of us said, you know, what's amazing is she is loved despite all the chaos in her life. She is loved and has angels assigned to her, loved just as much as Danielle, just as much as Debbie. Come on, every person, every person has intrinsic value because they're made in the image of God. And isn't it beautiful that I believe there are people, there are times angels even protected unbelievers, Lord knows some of y'all were protected by angels before you ever even gave your heart to Jesus. How many of y'all just really raise your hand and say, I was kind of a dumpster fire before Jesus, just everybody's, how many of y'all still dumpster fire right now? Okay, I sell that hand, Heath. That's my brother-in-law, so I can point him out. So Jesus is telling us that angels are, are sent to minister to you, to glorify God. The angels represent the prestige of God. And again, lastly, the angels call attention to the worth of every believer. I want to have the worship team come up. We're going to end this time in worship. And again, we don't worship angels. We worship Jesus. But these are colossal titans who do the will of God. When we just prayed a little bit ago for the people of Israel, we were praying that these angels that we just read about would serve the will of God and protect God's people, that they would go out and be a force to be reckoned with. How many of you guys still want to pray that with me? Amen? Why don't you stand up to your feet? You are a people of great worth. The creator of the universe, Jesus, is is our Lord. The Bible says our, our older brother. You're so valuable to God. And again, the angels are displaying your value to God. They're there to serve you, to protect you. That tells you something about your value. So if you're here this morning and you've been questioning your value, maybe you think someone else is just, you know, that person who's better off and better this or better that, 
don't miss what the Bible indicates of your value. You're so loved by God, so loved that he sent his only son to die in your place. So loved by God that he was willing to watch his only son, Jesus, suffer and die in your place so that you don't have to. Jesus was separated for a short time so that you and I could be united forever. This is the good news, that he can forgive you of your sins, that he can make you a child of God, that some of the stuff we're talking about today of angels in heaven and that this is a promise that God has for you. And I want you to bow your heads because I want to give an opportunity. If you're here today, we had someone give their life to Christ last week. It was beautiful. And maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus. This is an opportunity that God is giving you to give your life to Jesus, to say, I want to surrender to the Son of God. I want to surrender to this God who sent his Son to save me. If that's you and you want to repent of your sin, all the things that you've done wrong so God can make you right, would you raise your hand nice and high? I'm going to pray with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. God, we thank you for salvation. God, we thank you that you are king of all that you have a plan that you are executing. Church, I want to tell you something. When sometimes you turn on the news and you think the world's in chaos, I want to tell you, God is still in charge. He's still in charge. In fact, much of what you perceive to be chaos, please hear this, he's already written about. He already knows it was going to happen. He already knew that the UN would state that it's almost like we need seven years for peace and safety. They just said that. We need seven years. It's exactly written in the Bible. God has a plan that he is executing. And where does he execute this plan? Where does he reside? In heaven. So we're going to worship him right now. We're going to ask God, I ask Will to lead us in this song so we can picture, we can let God do something in our imagination where we see him for who he really is. Amen? Let's worship him. I want to encourage you as they sing, don't hold back, church. As you learn the song, I want you to sing it. I want you to forget about the person to your right or left and just put all of your heart's attention and your affection on Jesus.
on, sing scripture with us. What the Bible says. I see a seven lamps of fire burning and I see a sea of glass mingled with fire burning. I see the sun of man of God's fire burning, burning, of the fear of God over your life. As they continue to play, I want to pray the fear of the Lord. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Church, I had a teenager ask me like the, ask me this last night. How do I get more of the fear of the Lord in my life? Maybe the best question you could ever ask. Maybe the best thing you could ever ask God. If you want more of the fear of the Lord in your life, would you just raise your hands? God, I pray that you would give us a vision. I thank you that right now you're giving people, certain people in this room, a revelation of your holiness, the fear of the Lord. Let us see you for who you are. God, just one glimpse of you and it'll change our whole life. Lord, you changed my life in my second year of college with that glimpse of you, that encounter with you. Do it today, Lord, in any heart who is far from you, any heart who has become lukewarm. 
Jesus, we know that your word says that you would rather us be hot or cold. And if lukewarm, that you will spit us out of your mouth. Father, let us burn with love for you. Give us a fear of the Lord. If that's your prayer, just say, God, give me a fear of the Lord. Because we want to see you for who you are, God. We want to see you for who you are, Lord. You are holy, holy, holy. Worthy, worthy, worthy. There's no one like you, Jesus. No one like you, Jesus.